So, today's daf is daf Pei Gimel, page 83 of Mesechus Yavamas. And we pick up from Amri Bey Rav Mishmei Derav. This is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 lines from the top of the Omur, the last word on the line. Good morning. Last word on the line. Okay? Here we go. Says the Gemara. Amri Bey Rav Mishmei Derav. They said in the yeshiva of Rav, in the name of Rav, and let's keep in mind, let's keep uh, close, close in mind what's hap- the, the names, because on Amud Beis, we're going to get back to these names. So Rav is saying the following, Halacha k'Rabbi Yossi ba'andreganis v'harkava. The halacha, says Rav, the halacha follows the pin of Rabbi Yossi as far as the halacha ba'andreganis. Now we know Rabbi Yossi holds that ba'andreganis is considered to be a full-fledged male. Again, an andragonist is somebody who has the reproductive organs of both a male and a female. Rabbi Yaisi says that he has a status of a definite male. So we rule like him by an andragonist. The harkava, and as far as the halachas of harkava, of planting and grafting things together, which we don't know yet exactly what he says about grafting. It's, we're going to see soon it has to do with the laws of Shemitah. But be it as it may, says Rav, the halacha follows Rabbi Yaisi with the halacha of an andragonist, a definite male, as well as the halacha of Rakabu. Shmuel Amar, and Shmuel says the halacha is like Rabbi Yaisi, Bekaishi, as far as the laws of child labor, Ubekiddish. Now, not child labor as in child work, but a woman who's in labor to have a child, Ubekiddish, and as far as Kiddush is concerned. Kiddush uh, is often translated as holiness. It really means separated. And we're going to see soon in the Gemara that this has to do um, with forbidden plantings that end up overlapping. The halacha is going to be like Reb Yaisi. So again, Rav says the halacha is like Reb Yaisi by an andragonus and with grafting. And Shmuel says the halacha is like Reb Yaisi about a woman who's in labor to have a child, as well as the halachas of something that has to do with planting forbidden mixtures. Okay. Now, we don't know if Rav's arguing on Shmuel's cases or if Shmuel's arguing on Rav's cases. We don't know. Just each one's giving us two examples where the halacha is like Reb Yaisi, and this is what the Gemara is going to get into. Here we go. Andragonus Hadamar, that we follow the law that Rav says our laws like Reb Yaisi about Andragonus, we already know that you're considered a Zachar. Okay. What about Harkava? That, that we paskin like Reb Yossi, when it comes to the laws of grafting, that was Rav's statement. The, what's that halacha, the tanan? Because we learned in the Mishnah. Ain nightin, you're not allowed to plant a tree. Ve'ain mavrichin, and you're not allowed to bend over a branch or a vine into the ground. Ve'ain markivin, and you also can't be marked. You can't graft things together. Erev shviyas, even before Shemitah. We know during the seventh year, during the Shemitah year, it is forbidden to plant, do any sort of work. Says the Mishnah, you're not allowed to plant, you're not allowed to graft, you're not allowed to bend over th- um, uh, a vine into the ground, even before the Shemitah year. Now, how close to the Shemitah year? So the Mishnah says, It can't be done within 30 days before Rosh Hashanah. The reason for this is, based upon the Pesach and the Torah, which lets us know you're supposed to be Maisef al Hakadish. You're supposed to add on days to things that are, uh, to, you're supposed to add on, add on to things that are holy. So for example, you're not supposed to take in Shabbos the minute Shabbos starts. You're supposed to take in Shabbos a little bit prior. 
So the same, uh, back on track now. So the same way you're supposed to always, even by Shabbos, you're supposed to add on to things that are holy. So the seventh year of Shemitah is like a Shabbos. So 30 days prior, you're supposed to add on, that's called a, a, um, a chash of a frame of time, a time frame that, that, uh, is con- that one's supposed to add on to Shemitah, okay? So 30 days before Shemitah, we're already not planting, grafting, so on and so forth. Let's say you did it. Let's say you did it within 30 days. Yakar, the halacha is, you need to uproot those plantings. You have to get rid of it. You're not allowed to do that. Any graft that didn't already start to take root within three days, won't. And therefore he says, you don't need to wait 30 days before Shemitah, you need to wait three days before Shemitah. Rabbi Yossi, and this is the opinion we were looking for, we're looking for the opinion of Rabbi Yossi when it comes to grafting. So here we go. Rabbi Yossi, it's two weeks. Two weeks before Shemitah. The Omar of Nachman, Omar Rabbi Baravua, and Rabbi Nachman says the name of Rabbi Baravua, According to the opinion who says it's 30 days before Shemitah, you should know it doesn't mean 30 days before Shemitah. You know what it means? It means you got to wait 30 days before the 30 days, which means 60 days before Shemitah. Why? Because since the Torah says I have an innate obligation of adding on to Shemitah, so I already have a 30-day uh, period that I'm not allowed to plant. So when we say that the, the rabbis added on 30 days prior to Shemitah, you know what it means? It's 30 days before the obligation to stop and since I had a pre-existing obligation to stop already with 30 days, I'm going to have to stop actually 60 days prior to Shemitah. The Divri Amr according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, that you need to wait three days. It's going to be 33. Everybody's going to be in agreement, he says, that it's automatic 30 days before Shemitah. You cannot be planting, grafting, so on and so forth. Anything that we're mentioning here means besides for the 30 days. So it's going to be three and 30. The Divri Amr is according to the opinion that it's two weeks, Again, uh, it's going to be 30 days plus three weeks. Okay, Givaldi. We now explained, again, going back to the top of our Amud, towards the top of our Amud, Rav's statement, which was that we rule like Rabbi Yaisi by an Andragonist, that it's considered a definite Zachar, and by Harkava. So what's the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi by Harkava? You need to wait 30 days plus two weeks before Shemitah. You're already not permitted to plant. That is the halacha. Okay? 30 days plus two weeks, according to Rav. Now, Shmuel gave us two other halachas. Shmuel said, Bekaishi ubekiddish. Shmuel says that when it comes to a woman in labor and also when it comes to uh, things that are forbidden plantings as well, it's going to be um, uh, the halacha is going to follow Rebbeisi, and now we need to explain these two halachas. So here we go. Says the Gemara. Ushmol Amar Shmuel says that we rule like Rebbeisi as far as the halachas of a woman who's having labor pains, and also as far as rendering things kiddush. Kiddush again, people translate as holiness, but kiddush really means separated. That something is going to be separated here. What is that? Here we go. Kaishi detnan, what's Allah of a woman who's in labor? Kama yehe kushiyam. How many days before the birth of a child do we consider a woman's bleeding to be considered dam of childbirth? Now, we know there's a difference in halacha. Nowadays, it's very hard, you know, you have to know the nitty-gritty of the bloods because we consider most things to be tummy, even though they weren't. But there really is a difference between dam that comes from a cycle, blood that comes from a cycle, and blood that comes from childbirth. And I'll give you a classic, I'll give you a, a regular example of this. Here we go. 
we know the Torah tells us if a woman gives birth to a male, so, she, so she's going to be tummy for seven days, and then she has 33 days of purification. What happens if before the birth of a male, a woman has a cycle that renders her a Zavagadola? Now, the law of a Zavagadola is your tummy, as long as the bleeding is, plus an additional seven days. So what if she bleeds two days before going into labor? As a zava. So now we're going to say, as long as there's bleeding plus seven clean days, there's going to be impurity. But if we consider it initial stages of the labor, ready for this? She's not going to have to wait seven clean days. As soon as it, she, she just has her seven days of childbirth. So these are some of the practical ramifications that would happen in the times of when, when people were careful with their Toma and Tara. So here we go. How long before the birth of a child do we say that dam is considered childbirth dam? It's considered uh, as opposed to cycle dam. So here we go. Kamiya hekushya. How long can we consider um, uh, um, cramps or whatever it is, any, any bleeding that's taking place, part of the labor? Rebbe Meir, Omer Rebbe Meir says, Oh, arbon v'chamishim yam. 40 or 50 days. Okay, up to 40 or 50. Now make up your mind. Is it 40 or 50? <laughs> right? Well, which one is it? No? So the Gemara Nida, interestingly, asked this question. The Gemara says that... Um, it's 40 days for a stronger woman and 50 days for somebody with a weaker body. Rebuta Rebuta says, Dayachadasha. Dayachadasha means the beginning of that Hebrew month. Now, here we go. We're looking for the opinion of Rabbiosi. So, Rabbiosi, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbiosi, and Rabbi Shimon says, The max is going to be two weeks. Anything more than two weeks beforehand, you cannot connect it to the labor. Fine. So, Shmuel says, The law is like Rabbiosi. So, any sort of dam, any sort of, uh, any, any sort of uh, bleeding that comes out within uh, further than two weeks from the childbirth is not going to be considered blood of Leda. It's not going to be considered blood of childbirth. Rather, it's going to be considered Zava blood. Okay, fine. Now, the last halacha, the last halacha that Shmuel said we rule like Rabbi Yaisi is by Kiddush. This is a fascinating case. We know it's forbidden. <laughs> it's forbidden to plant grain and grapes together. So here we go. I don't like my neighbor. You ready for this? I am a farmer. My neighbor's a farmer. We, I don't like him. So you know what I do? I take my grapevines um, that are growing on the edge of my field and I hang them over his field that's growing wheat, and that's going to make it that he cannot gain from his wheat anymore. I don't care if I lose. I just want that he loses, right? That's how it works. So, kiddush, to make these plant things forbidden. Here we go. What's the halacha in such a circumstance? The time we learned in the Mishnah, a person who spreads out his vines over the tvu, over the grain of his friend, kiddush, it becomes forbidden. Becomes forbidden. It's forbidden plant things together. The Chayav Bachriusai. And therefore, the one who did it, it's like I hands-on damaged my neighbor's property. I'm going to have to pay him back for his grain. Divi Rabbi Meir, this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Right? It's like I went and I burned his grain by me laying out my vine and leaving it there and causing it to now become forbidden to benefit from. I completely destroyed something that had value. I got to pay him. That's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Shimon, but Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbi Shimon say, top of Pei Gimel Amad Beis, says the Gemara, no, it does not become forbidden. Very important rule. Can you imagine if that would happen? If every time somebody hated each other, they could just go and ruin my thing in halacha? No. You cannot make something forbidden if it's not yours. Don't, you can't say, take your vine, hang it over my field of grain, and ruin my stuff. No. Now, Tysus points out, this only is something that needs das. If something needs a, a mindset and it doesn't have the owner's mindset, it's not going to be forbidden, okay? But other times, like if somebody pours cheese into my fleshy chalant, I'm not allowed to eat it, right? 
can't do it. I mean, wh- whether or not I was happy about it, he can ruin it. But something that's dependent on intent, that's when we say a person cannot forbid something which is not his. This is, again, the statement of Rabbi Yossi, and Shmuel says we rule like this, that if somebody were to take their vines, hang it over their friend's wheat field, the halacha is, you don't need to pay because it's still, the, the one who laid out the vine doesn't need to pay because the grain is still permitted to eat. That's the opinion of Rebbe Okay, let's pause for a minute. This is all pretty straightforward. But now we have to go back and clarify the statements. Because Rav had said, we rule like Rebbe by an androgynous, that he's a male, and with grafting, that it's 30, week, 30 days and two weeks. Shmuel says we rule like Rabiosi by labor and by Kiddush. Right? That you need das, you need knowledge, you can't forbid something that's not mine. Is Rav arguing on Shmuel's two? Because Rav only gave two cases. Rav says androgynous and grafting. Shmuel says, labor pains, and the grain uh, vine mixture. What would Shmuel say about Rav's cases? What would Rav say about Shmuel's cases? So here we go. In Bailu, they ask the question, searching for information, by Andragonus, Mali Amar Shmuel. What would Shmuel say about Andragonus? Does he agree that Allah is like Rabbi that he's a certain male? So Mar says, let's see Shmuel's opinion. Tashma, come and listen. Damar Shmuel, the Rav Anon. Shmuel said the Rav Anon, lesa lebraisa, a brisa has no standing, mikame masnisen, in the face of our Mishnah. Okay, a brisa has no standing in the face of a, of the Mishnah, and therefore the Mishnah, which says in the name of Rabbi Yaisi, that is a definite male, is the halacha. So Shmuel agrees. Okay, Harkava Mali Amar Shmuel. What about the second case of Rav about grafting? Shmuel left that case out. What would he say about grafting? It's three and thirty, it's not two weeks and thirty. See, he actually argues on Rabyasi in that case. Okay? Argues the old Rebuda argues on Rabyasi. So Shmuel's gonna agree by the case of Andragonus, he's gonna argue by our cover. Fine. Now let's ask the other way. What does Rav say about Shmuel's cases? Kaishi Mali What would Rav hold? Does he agree the laws like Rabyasi by a woman in labor? The Gemara says, Teiku. I'm not sure. We, we, we don't find Rav giving us any sort of statement or any way to be medayekim. We're unsure. We're unsure. Okay. Kiddush mali Rav. What about as far as the uh, forbidden nature of the uh, grapevine being laid over the wheat? Would Rav agree with Rabiosi that Einadam Oser Dovar She'eno Shalo, that you can't forbid something like Rabiosi said? We do not rule like Rebbeisi. He holds it's actually going to be forbidden. Okay. Abai says to his beloved Rebbe Rebbeisi, My why are you relying on this statement that Rab doesn't hold like Rebbeisi? I'll tell you somewhere else. It seems that Rab holds Allah is like Rebbeisi. That and you can forbid something that's not yours. Why? Where else did Rabbi? What else did Rav say? Ravada quotes Rav to say the halacha is like Rabbi Yisi that you need das in order to forbid something. 
Which they answered, Amri be Rav Manu. They said in the name of Rav, Ravuno. Whenever you have something said in the name of Rav, you assume it to be Ravuno, Ravuno, Amar, Ain Alacha. And Ravuna says, Ain Alacha. And therefore, if you're going to have contradictory statements about what Rav's opinion is, and one of those statements is Be Rav, the base vendors of Rav, that's referring to Ravuna, and we're going to rely on Ravuna over anybody else. Okay. Beautiful. Period. Two dots. End of that conversation. Now, we got back to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says, Rabbi Yehuda Aymer, Rabbi Yehuda said, Tumtum. What was the case of Tumtum? So let's remind ourselves. If you have, Reuven is married to Leah, and he passes away childless. Leah is now to Yavama. Leah is now a Yavama. Okay. Um, one of the siblings of her husband is a Tumtum. One of the siblings is a Tumtum. So Rabbi Yudha said in the Mishnah, even if we were to remove the, the skin, the membrane, whatever that is, over the genitals of the tumtum, and it turns out that the tumtum has the signs of a man, still, he should not be the brother to do chalitza. Why? He's a full-fledged brother. Because the assumption is he's a saris. He's a saris. Now, remember, we said, we learned earlier, that a saris does not have the laws of Yibam or Chalitza because he cannot establish his brother's house. He's sterile. The mitzvah of Yibam is only to establish the house if he can't establish the house. And the assumption is somebody who was originally a tumtum, even if you remove the membrane, is going to be sterile. That's the assumption. So Rebuda says he should not be the one to do Chalitza and that's what we're going to get into now and clarify. Says the Gemara... Omar Ravami, Ravami says, My Ovidle Rabbi Yehuda, um, what would Rabbi Yehuda do? Le Tumtum de Biri to a Tumtum in the city of Biri. Okay, now, what's the city of Biri? So apparently there was a story that people knew about. There was a Tumtum. There was a, a human that was a Tumtum that lived in the city of Biri. And what did they do? The Aisvua they sat them a bay corset on top of a chair, the ikra, and they did surgery. They tore open the flap of skin. The oilid sheva and he had seven children. Incredible. Mamish incredible. Shab Yehuda says that a tumtum's an automatic saris, and therefore can't even do chalitza because nothing happened. There was no laws of Yibra chalitza on him, so even though chalitza and all that. One second. <laughs> there was a guy in the city of Biri that ended up having seven children. Don't tell me a tumtum is sterile. It's a good question. To which the Gemara answers beautifully. <laughs> you got the story wrong. No. A tumtum cannot have kids. And if his wife gave birth to seven children, let me tell you something. There's somebody else in the picture. It ain't coming from him. Sticking to our guns. And that is that a tumtum is a saris. And therefore, Rabbi Yudah says he should not be the one to do chalitza. 
Tanya, we learned in the price. Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Raimer, Rabbi Yaisi, the son of Rabbi Yudah says, Tumtum la yachlites. A tumtum should not be the one to do chalitza. Okay, obviously, if there's other brothers. Shema yikara, because, and here's where it's going to get a little, uh, a little sticky. Ready? Why should he not be the one to do chalitza? Because if you tear him open, benimtza srischam. Maybe he's going to be a srischam. Says the Gemara, hold on. Let's back up. A tumtum initially, we don't know if it's a male or female. So, what, what's the maybe? Says the Gemara, First of all, how do you even know it's going to be a male? How do you know it's going to be a male? And if you don't know it's going to be a male, why is he saying, oh, don't do chalitza because, because he's going to be a saris? Why is he saying, don't do chalitza because maybe he's a woman? Maybe this person's a woman. It's a good question. Says the Gemara, Hachi Gamar, you're right. This is really what Rabbi Yaisi meant. Shema Yikara Venim Maybe when you remove the skin, the flap of skin, the membrane, it's going to, we're going to come out, this tumtum is actually a female. Vafilu Nimtza Zachar. And even if it's a male, Shema Yimatzi Srischama. He might be a Srischama. Okay. So, Shampi the one do Chalitza. You know why? Because majority of the time, this is not going to be a person that can, give, that can have children. Either it's going to be a female, or um, even if it's a male, there's a strong possibility it's going to be sterile. My benayu, what's the practical difference? This is interesting, right? If he's a female. Um, so then, if he does chalitza, nothing happened at all, and the brothers are still going to be allowed. To, uh, to do Yibam or Chalitza. It's not going to make, a, it won't make a difference at all. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, who says that a Tumtum for sure is going to be a Saris, so again, also nothing happened, but according, because uh, a Vadai Saris doesn't have the laws, even if you do Chalitza, nothing happened. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that by a Suffolk, you're going to have to do Chalitza, it's going to turn out, maybe he's not a Saris and she's still connected, or maybe he is a Saris, and still connected, but it shouldn't get too confusing for us. And therefore, because we don't know what the status of the, if there's remaining brothers, what's their status with her? Did one of the brothers do Chalitza on her? And therefore they're all forbidden? Or not? Did nothing happen? So therefore he says, says your basic view to just stay away from the whole thing. Okay. Period. End of that sugya. Okay. Now, the Gemara is going to shift over, and Bez Hashem, we're going to be Zaycha to finish the Perak today. We're going to be Zaycha to get to Daf Peidalid, just a few lines down. We're going to finish up the Perak. And this next sugya is going to take us to the end of the Perak and have a fascinating conversation about um, relations, intercourse with an Andragonus. Because Rabbi Yaisi said an Andragonus is considered a full-fledged male. That means, if you ever were to have a man that has intercourse with the Andragonus, that's going to be homosexuality and Ischai of Misa. Now, an Andragonus also has two holes, we'll call it. There's the anal side and also the signs of a female. Okay, there's also an additional hole, which would be like, you know, if it would be a, a dragoness, would be like a female, it'd be called, we'll call it the vaginal area. So what we're going to get into now is 
the laws of a person who either is an androgynous who has relations or somebody has a relations with an androgynous. What's the status? Where are the relations? Meaning, was it a relations that took place anally? Was it a relations that took place in the female part of the androgynous? Because according to Rabbi Yaisi, an androgynous is a male. But he's agreeing to the reality that there's two places for the intercourse to happen, which is an interesting scenario. So here we go. Amar Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda, Amar Rabbi Amma, Achua de Rav Yehuda bar Zavdi. Okay. Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda says, in the name of Rav Abba, who if you want to know which Rav Abba, he was the brother of Yehuda bar Zavdi. And this is what they said. Amar Rav Yehuda bar Rav, Yehuda says in the name of Rav, Andreinus. Chayovin alavskila mishnei makaymas. If a man has relations, has intercourse with an Andreinus, it's like chiyuv, there's going to be chiyuv misa, it's homosexuality, and this applies whether they had intercourse in either hole. It doesn't matter. Mesveh, that's a challenging question. Okay, even in the female genital, we'll call it. Says, go on, Mesveh, that's a challenging question. You're obligated, skila like it, says, this is considered homosexuality, but there's a catch to this. When is that true? That's only when the man has relations with the androgynous through the anus. A homosexual relation. But let's say the man were to have relations with the androgynous and the cavus, the female genital. Putter. You're not going to be obligated. And before we said either way, you're obligated. Here we're saying no, it's not either way. It's only considered homosexuality if it's through the part of the body that homosexuals have intercourse. That's because Rav holds like the following Tana, the Tana went to the riser of Sima Yoimer. Androgynous, Chayovin, Lovskila, Mishnei, Makoimis. Fine. So you have another opinion, Gavaldic, that Androgynous, Yechayev, in, in either place. My time with Rav Simai. What's the reason for Rav Simai that either way, Yechayev, Misa? So here we go. Let's get into the Pasuk the way the Torah writes it. Omar Rava, Bar Hamduri Isberli. Bar Hamduri, I want to give him credit, explained it to me as follows. The Esazachar state in Tyra. The Esazachar and a male. Lai Sishkav should not lie. Mishkave Isha. The lying down, the relations, this is plural. Mishkave. The relations of a woman. Who is considered a man that you can have two intercourses, two types of intercourse with? Heavy Aymer Zandragonis. And the it's referring to Andragonis. And the Tyra, the Joshua from the Pusig is. Any type of intercourse with Andragonus is considered homosexuality. And it doesn't matter because of the plural word. Any intercourse is. But the Rabbanon say you're only going to be chayav on homosexuality if it's a regular type of intercourse, but not if it's through the nekevus, not through the female genitals. They're going to say, even though you're right, it's two mishkavais. As zochraksiv, we're agreeing that it says plural. But here's the problem: it says a male. So since it says a male, it's only going to be chayev through a male intercourse. Says the Gemara finds so that. What do they do with the plural word then? Virabanon zochr greidem and How do they know a regular male 
Right? In other words, the Rabbana are saying that a male is obligated for having relations with non-dragonness through the male part. So they say, well, what about a regular? What about two men? How do they know? So they learn it out from may ve'es. Okay. They learn it out from the word, from the extra, doesn't it say ve'es zachar? So it says ve'es zachar, it's referring to any type of male. Says the Gemara, Isha Shalaika Darkam and Allahu. How do they know now? This is interesting. How do we know that if a man has relations um, anally with a woman, that that's considered relations? Maybe it's only considered a, a uh, intercourse if it's on a regular woman. If it's through the through, through the, the the vaginal canal, says Gemara, may isha. They learn now from the word woman. Okay, any any uh, relations that take place with a woman is going to be considered uh, is going to be considered relations, and therefore by a woman as well. I, I'm sorry, by, by a woman specifically, the rabbanon say no matter how you have relations with her, it's going to be obligated. But the rabbanon are sticking to their guns that by an androgynous, it's only going to be. A type of uh, you're only going to be obligated for a type of intercourse that is possible for males. So this is interesting. Let's pause for a minute. According according to Rebbe Simai, um, was it Rebbe Simai? Yeah, according to Rebbe Simai, you're chayav on an androgynous either way through either hole. According to Rabbanon, you're chayav on an androgynous only through the anus. But it's by a, but if you ever have relations with a woman, it's considered a full intercourse either way. So that you, you get the difference by a woman, it's either way. They agree two holes either way intercourse by an androgynous. They argue why because of ve'es zacher. Ve'es zacher is different by an androgynous. It's only considered intercourse um, if it's done in a way of homosexuality, not through the siman in the cavus. Okay, here we go. Amar of Shizbi, Amar of Chista. Rav Shizbi says in Amar of Chista, Loi lakol Amar Blaz Rajaginus Zachar Me Al Yehu. You should know when we say that Rajaginus is considered to be a man, it doesn't mean always. What do you mean? Shema Taimer King. If you're going to tell me that Rajaginus is always just regular, like a regular guy walking around, let me tell you something. B'mikudoshin, when you are mekadesh, when you sanctify an Rajaginus animal, now. The, the signs of androgynous are not necessarily only need to be in a human. It could even apply to an animal. Now, a male animal is capable of uh, being a carbon. A female animal is not capable of being a carbon. Says the Gemara, beautiful concept. If, an, if we consider an androgynous to be male, we should allow an androgynous animal to be a sacrifice. Full-fledged zakhar. Let it be a sacrifice. When a person makes a androgynous animal, hektish, yikdash, it should be fit for the mizbeach. And how do we know it's not true? And how do we know that an androgynous animal cannot be brought to the mizbeach? If you have an animal that um, was sodomized, bestiality, or was set aside for or it was actually used for Avaydah Zara, or used as payment for a prostitute, or exchange for a dog, as we learned earlier in the Masechta, both these things, you're not allowed to use the money or the animal 
to be barred on the mizbeach, v'tumtum, or an animal that's on tumtum, or v'androgynous, or androgynous, that's what the word we're looking for, mitamim begodim ha'beis ha'bliya, they're going to be mitamim begodim ha'beis ha'bliya, meaning if a person, this is referring to birds, Rashi explains, the way that they would slaughter birds for the mizbeach, is they would use the, the process of malika, the kain would use a long fingernail, and flick into the back of the neck of the bird, and the bird would die that way. Now, now th- that is considered the shechita process of a sacrifice. If you were to do this on a non-sanctified uh, animal, then this animal is just an avela, just a dead carcass, which gives off impurity. So we're saying over here that it's going to give off impurity to the person's throat when they... When they uh, um, yeah, to the to the throat of the person wearing any of these uh, clothes from these animals. No, it's not matami. Never says male and female in the Torah. It includes a but by a bird. Since there's no male or female said by a bird. There's no So what do you see from here? Says Rebbe Eliezer. And Andragonis is not considered a Zohar across the board. As far as in our Mishnah originally, we possibly could be, I see that it's a full-fledged Zohar, but you should know a statement. Says the Gemara statement. Just because we said a Zohar doesn't mean it's like the only, that, that this is like the only way to view an Andragonis. No. Depends on the circumstances. When it comes to sanctifying something and being Mekadashit as an animal, Andragonis, we're not going to view it like a, like a, Male that is that is uh, considered kach. Amr of Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Bar Yitzchak says Afanah Nami Tanino. We also learned in our Mishnah. Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael says top of tomorrow's daf. Daf Pei Dalid. Here we go. Let's finish the parak. Bez Hashem. Haklayim. When you have an animal of klayim, yeah, it's like a mule. It's like a mule. Utrefam or an animal that's a trefam. Doesn't mean the trefam animal, but it's got a hole in the lungs, right? Or a, in a vital organ, so it's going to die. The yaitzi daifin, or animal born through a C-section, tumtum vandragonis, like kedushin. If you sanctify it, it is not sanctified. It cannot be. They're not. They're not capable of being carbonus. The Yomar Shmuel and Shmuel says like kedushin b'tmura. What it means is they don't become kedush b'tmura of lemekadshin ba'isa tmura. Nor can they make their tmura the things that are substituted for them. Tmura is when you exchange an animal. Let's say I have an animal that's set aside to be brought as a sacrifice. And then I, for whatever reason, I can't bring it as a sacrifice, so I exchange the holiness onto another animal. It's called Tamura, and that other animal takes on the sanctity, and we, I'll bring that as a sacrifice. Shmami, no. You see from here, Rebbe Lazar does not consider to be an Andragonist to be uh, totally male. Period. End of that Gemara. Last part of the Mishnah before we finish the Perak. Rebbe Lazar, Aymer, If a man has relations with an Andragonist, they are Chayav Misa. This is considered homosexuality. Male homosexuality. Again, female homosexuality, we learned, is not considered relations. It's considered promiscuous, it's considered lewd, it's considered immoral, but that's not the prohibition in the Torah. The prohibition of the Torah is for two men. Rabbi Leazar says, a man has relations with a dragoness, the Chai of Misa. Tanya, we learned to the Brisa, Omar Rabbi, Rabbi says, when I went to learn Torah, in the yeshiva of Rabbi Lazar ben Shemua, let me tell you, his, his, the guys in his yeshiva were tough cookies. When I went to learn Torah in his yeshiva, 
the students were mechaber. They, they, Chibor is to connect. They connected to me. Kitarna gailim shal beis bukia. Like the chickens of base Bukya. Now apparently, Rashi says, the chickens of base Bukya did not like outsiders. They were a little clicky. So when another chicken would come, they would uh, let the chicken know that they're not really welcome. So when I went to the Yeshiva of Lazar ben Shemo, you should know, his Talmidim weren't so thrilled that I showed up. So I didn't stay there that long. And they didn't let me learn with, not with Hinichuni, uh, they didn't let me learn in peace. It didn't let me rest in my learning. But I'll tell you what I did end up learning for the short time I was in the yeshiva. I, I, I couldn't handle it. I, I left. It was too hard to break in over there. But I'll tell you something that I learned. A halacha that I learned in the yeshiva. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says, this is where he learned Rabbi Eliezer ben Shemua Paskins, Andragonis, Chayav and Allah, Skila, Kezachar, and Andragonis, is obligated if a person has relation with Andragonis, Yechayav Skila, like a Zachar, like a male, there is a Chayav Misa. Hadron Allah, Ha'arel, Hadron Allah, Ha'arel, Hadron Allah, Ha'arel, will return to you, Parak Ha'arel, Bez Hashem. Mazel Tov to everybody who finished the eighth Parak of Meseches Yvamis, Bez Tomorrow we will pick up with the, with, uh, the new Parak, Tafpei Dalit. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, everybody.